just want to ask you, uh, <clears throat> before we read our scripture, uh, how, how are things in your soul? I mean, right now, how, is, how are things in your soul? Do um, you have a peace, joy? Do you, uh, are you fearful? Are you worried about something? Um, something just kind of looming over you? I'll tell you, these, these are real emotions that, that Christians have. And I, I say that because I'm about to read you a verse that, that is the remedy of all that. And, and, and I hesitated in a, in a way to, to present this in this way, but, but, but if you don't believe this verse... Uh, what I'm doing is actually causing you to sin. I mean, I, I'm serious. I mean, I mean, unbelief is a great, grievous sin to God. And so, so I guess, I guess my 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 whole deal is going to boil down to this: or you can you can be afraid, or you can believe God. One of the two. Would you stand with me? I'm going to read. Uh, a verse from Isaiah chapter 41. I bet many of you have been there before, particularly in your hour of darkness. 41 and verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Please be seated. What this is, is a a profound promise of God. Now don't get God's promises confused with man's. Uh, If you're basing your life and your happiness and what you fear on what politicians promise you, or what somebody has promised you, you're going to likely be disappointed. But but when you really get solid with God, and and this message is called the solid rock, because God is solid. There there are no holes in God. God is is a, a permanent, changeless God. Okay? And, and a solid rock is something that you can stand on. And, and, and so, so first of all, I want to say my first point is this, that the promises of God are the stepping stones of life. The promises of God are the stepping stones of life. Now this promise that God makes is an unconditional promise. Notice, it's not based on if you do this or if you do, don't do that. Now, there are uh, conditional promises in God's Word, but this one is unconditional, just like His love, okay? Now, God, God met the one condition that is, that is merited here for God to make such a promise as this one. Namely, God chose you to be one of his children. This promise is addressed to Israel. 
at the time of their exile. But we, because we've been grafted in, according to the New Testament, the Gentiles, it's a promise to us as well. So to understand that is understand this promise then is to the elect family of God. You know how you know if you are one of the elect? There's two things you got to feel. You got to understand that you are a sinner. Do you understand that? Secondly, do you understand that you have a Savior? and that you treasure him. His name is Jesus Christ. Those two things have, God has given you to show you the merit of salvation. You are his chosen. And so God has given you this promise. And you can take it to the bank. It's not going to change. It's not going to be based on what you do or what you don't do. It's not going to be based on whether you commit a sin or whether you don't. Keep in mind, though, this promise does not mean you won't have problems. You won't have disappointments. You won't have trials and losses. And your heart will break. Actually, this promise implies that those things will be the case. Because you see, this promise is centered around meeting the needs of God's people. So how in the world are God, is God going to make that promise true that of needs being met if we don't have any to meet? But we do. Lots of them. But what I want you to know and what I want you to feel good about is you can trust God. I want you to know that God has made you a promise and that he will help you, that he will hold you, that he will strengthen you. In other words, what God is saying is, I will enable you to bear any temptation that you will face. Now, how does that make you feel? I tell you what, it makes me feel pretty doggone good. Because I'm not basing this in Randy Waters. I'm basing this in Almighty God. And that stepping stone is how we're going to get from one hill to the other. And we can deal with that. We can deal with the mess and the mud of life when we have a solid rock to base our steps on. And that's what we have in God. So God's promises are of utmost to believe that. I understand. I was reading the other day that almost $6 billion worth of gift cards are never cashed every year. 5.8 billion was the actual figure. I mean, people have gift cards, they don't ever cash them. I mean, we, this is a promise that God has given you. Now, are you going to cash it? Or are you going to take it to the bank? Or are you going to lay it on the shelf? And if you're not careful, you'll lose it. Now what that's going to mean is that you're going, to, you're going to lose some joy and peace and confidence. Again, either we can be afraid or we can believe God. And it's about believing God. That's how our faith grows. Trusting God. Believing God. 
knowing that God is near us. Now, I said that all these promises of God, including this one, uh, was for God's people. God didn't save everybody. And God doesn't make a promise to everybody. He doesn't. But, but I'm trusting that he's made it to me and you. And so that's how we need to live, okay? Salvation is God's business. Believing is our business. All right, look with me then in the New Testament at 2 Corinthians, and let's look at the very first chapter of 2 Corinthians, and just one verse there too. It's talking about promises, and I want you to see these promises as the stepping stones of life. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, Here's what the scripture says. For all, I want you to notice that. That's all of them. (laughs) All the promises of God in him, that's in Christ, are yea. That means yes. Now that word yes uh, is a Greek word. And that shows it's for Gentiles. And in him, amen. That word amen is a Hebrew word. And that means it's for the Jews. So God's promises, all of them, are for the Gentiles, that's what you and I are, and the Jews, unto the glory of God by us. I mean, look at the scope and the dignity of God's promise. In him, that's where our promises come from in Christ. And we know that God says in him there, yet they're all there. God is is faithful to keep his promises. He's a God of truth. He's a solid rock. And we can base that and bless them in that way. Now, when I buy, when I buy milk, maybe you do too, I bet at the grocery store, I always check uh, when, when, when it runs out. You know, it's got a date on it. I mean, you might call it shelf life. I don't want to get any milk that's about to spoil, do you? I mean, I mean, you know, God's promises are not going to ever, ever spoil. That they have an eternal shelf life. I mean, what, what God said before the foundation even of the world, he, he still said. And it's true. And what a blessing that is to rejoice in that and thank him for his truthfulness and know that we can walk on what God says. We can stand on God's most holy word. And what a blessing that is to know. He says, again, from our text, fear thou not. That's the first thing he says. Fear not. Don't be afraid. And even if you're afraid, you know, David said in Psalms 56, he says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I mean, you gotta, you got to just hunker down and believe God and trust God. And believe him and it's knowing that, that you can base your life on what God says. Why? For I am with thee. So first point I want to make is God, His promises are the stepping stones 
that we have to have to get through life. They're there. They're there. We need to use them and believe them. And the more we really relish and cherish God's promises, you know what's going to happen to you and me? We're going to have more joy. We're going to have more peace. Because we're living in a, in a world that, that is chaos. Fear is everywhere. I mean, it's almost like our government wants you to be afraid. Be afraid of something. But we are not going to be afraid when we have God and we have his promises as a stepping stone. We trust him and we believe him. And then secondly, I was thinking, uh, I wanted to say from this verse that God's presence uh, provides truth and stability. Notice this word from our text. I am with thee. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee. I mean, that's a lot of God. I mean, that, that's what it is. That's the presence of God because God is truth. The truth will make you free, but the truth is also a solid rock that we need to bless God in. And God's doing this. I mean, that's what he says. I'm going to help you. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to strengthen you. That means when we're weak, God is going to be there, and he's going to give us whatever strength we need. Now, you're going to find your weaknesses in your life, but God's going to give you strength. And you can be sure it'll come in ways you don't ever know where it's coming from, but that is what God does. That is a promise of God. And I'll tell you this, that, that Romans 8, 28, that's a beautiful verse. It's also a promise. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, them that are calling to his purpose. But you know what the foundation, you know what the solid rock of that verse is? Romans 8, 32. That verse says, he, God, that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? That is a blessing. That is a foundation. That is a solid rock. To know God will never leave us nor forsake us. He says that in Hebrews 13, verse 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So therefore be content with such things as you have. In verse 6, he says, I will help thee. God helps us by being with us. And the joy of knowing God is understanding that, that his presence is so that, that, that he calls us into fellowship. When, when you think about it, listen to me. I hope I can explain this right. I'm not such a deep theologian as you know, but, but you know, I was thinking the first three chapters of Genesis set the precedence for all of God's word and his promises. Because what you have to understand is in creation, God created. That's his sovereignty. But God didn't just create. I mean, if you think about it, there's two characters of God, and really uh, that comes with characters of any ruler, any sovereign ruler. Number one, they make laws. And number two is that they often stop along the way to make speeches and tell people and draw people to them and, and convince them to their rules and way of thinking. 
Well, in a way, God does that. See, he created, but, but then he also made some laws. And in the, in the, in the, in the Bible terms, you call that the Torah, and it's made up of, of uh, laws, testimonies, and promises. So what did God do after he created? He created Adam and Eve. You see, our God is a God that would have us, have us negotiate or talk with him. Fellowship, that's the word. So, so we have fellowship with God. How? Because of his word. And his word is truth. And so he tells Adam and Eve exactly how their nature are. He says, now this don't do this and that and the other. That's what prohibition's about. I mean, that's how God tells us how to live. And so God does that. And then, and then after the fall, he makes a promise. Both favorable and unfavorable. He tells the man, he says, look, you're going to have to a lot of problems in your life. You're going to have to sweat for all this stuff. He tells the woman, he said, you're going to have trouble ch- giving childbirth. It's going to be painful. But he also promises the, the Savior. He says, the seed of the woman shall bruise the serpent's head. That, my friends, is the first promise that God gives of the salvation that he is going to promise through Christ. Did he do that? Yes, indeed. He did. He's truth. And what a blessing that is. He says, I'll never leave you. Psalms 23. What a, what a beautiful psalm. There's probably no more request at a funeral service than Psalm 23 by families. Why? Because, because it's, uh, it's solid. It's a, it's a, it fits every need we have. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he does lead us through green pastures and beside still waters. And his paths of righteousness are given for his namesake. But then there's a valley of shadow of death. But even there, he says, I will fear no evil. evil. Why? For thou art with me. See, the presence of God. I want you to understand this. You are not alone. You may be a widow or a widower, and you might have absolutely nobody in your house but the dog or cat, but I'm going to tell you what, God is with you. If you're one of God, God is with you. He says, I'll never, ever leave you. And that is a great blessing. It's a great promise. God is with us. We can trust him. You know what? The very word of God, God's word is truth. Psalms 147, verse 15 through 19. Do you know God controls the weather by his word? I mean, we need to see the power of what the word of God is about. He controls the weather. Psalms 148, he says, he controls the nations. You know, we think about China and we think about all what this, this, this stuff, the News media puts out all this propaganda about everything else. But you know what? We need to look at God's word. We need to understand that this is about God's word, and we need to think about less about ourselves. We need to trust God. We need to believe God's promise. I was taken. Jenny, Jenny almost teared up. Y'all, you and Jay talking about those Africans over there have absolutely nothing, live in houses with, with, with a uh, dirt floor. Happiest people my daughter said they'd ever been around. I mean, just content with the Bible and shocked that Americans have schools that do not teach the Word of God. 
I think you're right. I don't think they'd be happy in America. They'd be miserable. I think Americans are mostly miserable in our world today. We are so concerned about whether we're going to have enough money. Where are we going to have to, what nursing home we're going to be able to afford to go to? Where are we going to be able to deal with our life? When it all boils down to it, you're going to have to get down to bear God. And you can't base that on whether he blesses you or not. You're going to just have to trust him. And know whatever way he sends help is God's way. And it's the right way. And don't tell me, if you're following Jesus Christ and he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you don't tell me that you're going to be able to do it your way. You're not. It's not going to happen. God says, I will help thee. You know, yesterday afternoon, I went out to the garden and got some sweet corn. We were cooking some for supper last night. and My five-year-old granddaughter, Emory Grace, came up there and said, Granddad, I'm, I want to help you shuck it. So she starts shucking corn. I mean, she can't even get it through. Did I need her to help? I mean, did the corn getting shucked depend on my five-year-old granddaughter? But I tell you what, it was a precious fellowship for me to have her standing by me. You know, that's how God does us. Do, do not over, overrate yourself God needs. God doesn't need us. But, but see, God has called us to a fellowship with him. And all the time he's helping us. See, you thought you were going to bless those folks. I know you didn't, Africa, but they blessed you, didn't they? Sure they did. I mean, that's the promise of God. I will help thee. I am with thee. The promises of God provide truth and stability. Firmness. God is a God of truth. He rules and he speaks. By the way, uh, we know God's promises are kept because Hebrews 10, 23 says he is faithful to keep his promises. God doesn't base keeping his promises on us. He is faithful. I also remember uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10 verse 4, uh, talking about the Israelites. God said they all ate or drank the same spiritual drink. They ate the same spiritual food in the verse before. They ate, they drank the same spiritual drink. And they, they rock followed them. And that rock was Christ. And that rock is Christ still to our ways. Lastly, the power of grace is the solid rock of redemption. The power of grace. And I want you to see that in this verse, that, that God's grace is sufficient to, to supply all our needs. Jesus says in Philippians 4.19, I will supply all thy needs. But there is no sin beyond the grace of God for those that God has called to be his own. Now I said the other night, and I believe it's all in my heart, God does not accept sinners. He doesn't. He saves them to make them acceptable. You hear me? That's what salvation's about. When we really understand that, 
And we won't have to dilly down around with whether who's doing this or who's doing that or what's right or wrong. We understand that God's word is truth. God changes our heart and makes us blameless before him in love, according to Ephesians 1. That's justification. It's a promise of God, by the way. But surely it's followed by sanctification. Not far away from this sweet promise, here's some more you're familiar with in Isaiah 43. We're going to read three verses, the first three of that chapter. Listen to what it says. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. Whenever God says something, we need to listen. Now, I said a while ago, I don't want to tempt you to sin because if you don't believe God is going to help you, if you're going to believe you can use his word, his promises to get through life on, if you're going to base your feelings and I'm going to tell you what God thinks. God says, those that will not hear me, God considers that a grievous iniquity. And, and, and it's, a, it's the grossest form of pride. And you know what the most genuine form of humility is? And I'm not in trying to portray some pious act we do or work we do, but, but rather... Isaiah 66, 2 says, To this man I will look, God says, that trembleth at my word. Are we really trembled at God's word? Or are we really kind of folding in with a culture that's kind of watering down the gospel, covering up and sugarcoating sin and air conditioning hell? We need to understand that we're before the Almighty God. And God says, I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will hold you. I mean, the only thing left for us to do is get her done. We used to walk by faith, using those stepping stones of God's promises. We don't have to worry about waiting until all the clouds and it quits raining to do what we need to do. We need to say, I'm going to believe God today. Today is the day of salvation. God says. Don't wait till you get good enough. Don't wait till things get bad enough. But the power of grace, what was I reading that verse? But thus saith, in Isaiah 43, the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, there it is again, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Now, you let that, and I want to let that get in your heart and your soul. You are God's, and God has purchased your soul by the blood of Jesus. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. You are not going to be able to be fed and satisfied in this world. The most miserable man is not somebody that is not saved and doesn't know Jesus. The most miserable man or woman is one that is saved and trying to live in sin and unconfessed wrongs in their life. That will make you miserable. But God says, I will help you. God says, I promise you. Jesus says, repent. That's what Jesus says. 
That was his first message. We seem to have a problem with that. I think we think we're not too bad. But the fact is we're sinners. If we'd have read further in Isaiah 41, God says of that same Jacob, a worm. He calls him a worm. That's how despicable we are in our nature. But God says, nevertheless, see, this is the power of grace. God doesn't care how bad we are being. God saves us by his grace. And God gives us a rock of redemption. I tell you what, I've been reading the Old Testament. I've been through Jacob and Genesis and Jacob. I mean, you talk about a sorry acting man, a deceitful person. Jacob, the one that's a figure of every believer, the one that God chose and Esau he hated and Jacob he loved. Man, I couldn't believe some of the things I read that man did. God loves him. God loves us. And his grace, you see, overrides that. There's nothing more powerful than God's redeeming grace. Notice what he says here. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Why? For I am thy God. I am the Lord thy God. The Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. I said a while ago the foundation of Romans 8, 28 is that God spared not his only son. He, did, he gave him on the cross. He exposed him to the most horrific human torture and even condemnation because of his sins that we committed that were given him, put on him. And, and Christ cried, Oh, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And the reason was he could not look on sin. That's why God does not accept sinners. He saves them so that they can be accepted. Praise God for making you accepted by the blood of Christ. That is a solid rock. It's not going to be about some prayer you pray or some tent revival that wants you to accept Jesus to keep from going to hell. It's rather understanding in your heart that God is there, that you are a sinner, but you have a Savior. What is so amazing, it's kind of a paradox about the gospel, is that we realize we're sinners. But we have to press on. The Bible tells us that. And that hurts. But it also tells us we have a Savior. We have a solid rock. We have a shadow to stand on. He says in Isaiah 32, Jesus is like a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Sometimes we just need a shade. Sometimes we just need to get somewhere 
or refuge. Sometimes we just need to be covered and just hold in. Sometimes we shake so much because we don't know what to do. We have failed so much. We have disappointed so much. And we shake so much. We just need Jesus to come up and grab us and hold us. Just comfort us. I tell you, we need that. And that's what God does in His promises. You know, uh, I pray that God would help us to see and be sensitive to His promises every day. I think, I really do, I think it's just like those gift cards. I think we just neglect them. We, we don't ever cash them. I mean, just take, God says, if you confess your sins, I will, I will cleanse you from all sins and unrighteousness. For some reason, we want to delay that a little bit. I mean, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't just look at the lily and the, and the sparrows and the birds. I mean, I mean, God says, I'm going to be with you. Is God enough or not? I mean, what more could he have done? He went to the cross for you. He, he died for you. He rose again. He ever liveth to make intercession. And yet, I'm going to complain because the beavers are in the creek. I'm afraid that's how it is. Sometimes we're all too human. My friends, there's a lie. I want to tell you that you cannot control, but God can. And when God says, I'm going to be with you, he promises it. I'm going to uphold you. That's a stepping stone. When God says he's going to uphold you with his righteousness, not yours, his that is truth and stability. Now we can either believe the truth or we can live a lie. Either one. We can believe the truth and be free. Or we cannot believe the truth and a lie and we'll be in bondage. That's exactly what the devil will do. And then you know, the power of grace is manifested in His promises. You know what? The promises of God are kind of like the raw material for prayers. I had a message uh, a time, I don't know if it was a message not over at camp the other night, but uh, I took a rope up there on the stage. And I, and I said this. The theme of camp, by the way, was standing on the promises. And I remember taking that rope and and uh, I said, I believe this is how God's promises are. I mean, we have a rope. We have God's promises, just like that rope. And you're going to need that rope. I mean, you might have to retrieve something in life. That rope might be a boundary. There might be some areas of life that are roped off by God's promises. Then there might be some situations in life that, that get away from you and you, you need help. You, you're drifting down the Geechee River and you, you don't have a paddle or an anchor, but you have a rope. So what are you going to do with that rope? Are you going to try to tie it to a log that's floating beside you? I mean, how much sense would that make? No, you're going to put it on something solid. I doubt you could find a big enough rock on there, Geechee, but you could find a big tree. 
And I'm going to tell you, there's a tree called the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's solid, and you hook that rope to him, and you will have stability. You will have an anchor for your soul. Sometimes we get to the end of our rope, even of his promises. I have been with people that said, I don't think there's any hope for me. I don't think, I think I've gone too far. That's a hard thing to hear. And I always tell them, no, it's not. There's hope. But I'll tell you this, when you get to the end of your rope, those promises, you just tie a knot and hang on. You hear me? You tie a knot. And you don't want to tie a knot in a rope of God's promises, His sovereignty. Did you know that anything that comes in your life has to come through God? And there's no accident. We're not dealing with a chance by God. If God controls the weather and he controls nations, don't you think that he doesn't control your life? So you understand that that is coming and it's coming from a God and only sovereign God. You make another loop in that rope with love. Because God's love is based on an unconditional love Then no matter what you've done or no matter what you think about doing or haven't done, God's not, not going to ever love you any more or less than he loves you right now that he loves you before the foundation of the world. You can tie a knot on that rope of promises to hang on. Sometimes we just have to do that. There's lots of things that happen to God's people that they don't understand. Neither do we. But God does. He will help you. You don't have to walk around the mud. God has a bottom. Solid rock. Let's stand on that foundation. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for the blessings you give us. We thank you for being a God of promise that you made these promises, God. We haven't. We couldn't keep them if we did. But you made them because you knew we would need them. And right now, Lord, there's some of us in this room, and we confessed it to you. We haven't always believed this promise. If we're not careful before we get home, we will doubt you again. Oh, God, please forgive us. Give us faith, oh God, increase our faith, particularly in your promises. Help us to cherish them, to reflect on them, to meditate on them, to memorize them. Because we're going to need them. We need these stepping stones. How are we going to get to the minefields of this world? We don't have your promises to walk on. We'll be blown to smithereens in a second without your promises, oh God. We are like sheep prone to go astray. Oh, direct us, Lord, with your rod and staff. Thank you, Lord, for your powerful truth, for who you are and your unchangeableness. I pray that you'd comfort the hearts of each one in this room today or listening, that you'd bless them with the power of being persuaded of the truth of a promise-keeping God. Thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.